What's up, you guys? It's 5 a.m., which means it's 10 a.m., it's 6 p.m., it's 4 a.m., and it is 2 a.m., and as always, it's anytime, anywhere. Now, lately, my head has been feeling a little bit clogged and filled up. No, this is not a plug for any sponsor. We still don't have those. So, yeah, my head's been feeling a little bit clogged up, full of thoughts, things to do, things that are coming, and maybe it's just because it's the beginning of another year and I feel so hopeful and optimistic, but then I remember, like we said a couple weeks ago, I don't do that. Anytime I need a change, I make a change. So, I don't know, head's just been feeling full lately. Maybe that's full actual fulfillment coming around, but stay tuned for that. I will let you guys know. Speaking of fulfillment, uh, you know, we just did that Monday night special. We're actually having specials and segments and real things now. These, these phone calls are, are getting multimedia. They're getting fully fleshed out. And it was reminding me, we were talking about possibly doing one in person. Instead of a phone call, we were going to have an actual meeting, an old-timey, old-fashioned Denny's night. The thing is, it made me think of another thing. One of my rules when I go out with friends that we're going to have to adhere to, and we're going to see how well that goes. Because obviously, to re- record stuff, we're going to put phones in the middle of the table with the, uh, with the recorders on. And that reminded me of the rule I have when I go with my friends, which is when we go out, everybody puts their phone in the middle of the table, and the first one to touch it pays for the food at the restaurant. I do this because when I go out, I am big on actual old-fashioned quality time. You know, I've mentioned this in when I talked about raising kids and how I am. I'm just like an old fart on the inside and all that. Uh, so we're going to see how well my digital century counterparts can do with that when we meet up in person, if that happens. You know, a lot of my friends are like-minded people, so it should make for a very interesting time. But it remains to be seen, and that's something I'm excited for. Now, I've been promising to do a lot more airplane stuff for you guys, like actual knowledge, instead of just saying airplane this, airplane that. So today, I am going to tell you guys about something I actually made Uh, to help me with my flying and to help other people. My dispatch sheet, not dispatch from when I was working as a dispatcher, but more of like a flight school dispatch. Basically, this is a nice little checklist that we got in our hand right here. Physical, again, because we love paper and stuff. We love killing trees. Uh, This is just going to explain all the stuff to make sure that we have in hand for the pre-flight, in-flight, and post-flight phases of flight. All the numbers and calculations, just making sure we're legal to go We know what we're walking into, and we know what we're planning to do. So it's broken into five sections, bold-faced, and they're the five P's of flight planning, and you learn this in your basic risk management, and they are the the five P's of, of risk management, the pilot, the plane, the plan, the program, and the passengers. So we'll go over those. Now, the pilot section is the shortest, and we're going to start at the top. We're going to work our way down. I'm going to explain what most of these things mean. Uh, This might be a long one, but we're going to try, right? So number one, first section is the pilot. And at the top, there's a space to put your name and the date because you're the pilot, usually. So that's the easy part. Then there's the checkboxes. Certificate, uh, photo ID, medical, current, and I'm safe. As a pilot, there is a checklist for what you need when you fly. You need your pilot certificate student, private, ATP, whatever. You need to have your pilot certificate on you. You need a valid photo ID, passport, counts, or driver's license, a valid medical for the type of operation you'll be doing. You know, if you're flying commercial, 
at, if you are being a commercial pilot, acting as a commercial pilot, you need a first-class medical. If you're flying for recreation, you only really need a third-class medical. Not going to explain the different classes of medical here because if I explained all of the qualifications for all this stuff, would be here all day. This is just a checklist of what to check. If, if you're going to do one of these flights, you know what is applicable to you, and this is just to make sure you don't forget to check these things. It's called a checklist, not a do list. You should already have a lot of this stuff accomplished, and then this is just to make sure you didn't miss anything. Current is, are you current for the flight? Do you have the takeoffs and landings required in the time in the type? Do you have, if you're doing an instrument flight, are you instrument current? Have you had your biannual flight review, if that's applicable? But are you current for the flight you're going to undertake? And then I'm safe. This is the, the last little part, last little check on the pilot. Great, you have all your documents, you're current, the plane is loaded up, but you feel like crap. Yeah, you're not gonna go. So I'm safe. Illness, are you sick? Medication, are you on a medication that would make you drowsy and prohibit you from using large machinery? Stress, beyond a reasonable level. There's always stress, there's good and bad stress. There's always stress present in life. It's impossible to eliminate. It's supposed to be mitigated as much as possible. But are you too stressed to do the flight? Alcohol, have you been drinking? Eight hours bottle of throttle, blood below 0.04 BAC. Fatigue goes for itself. At the airlines, did you get your 10-hour minimum rest, etc.? And external factors or emotions or eating. Did you eat? Is anything else weighing on you? Are you depressed? What's going on? Are you fit to fly? So that's the pilot section. Then the plane. The plane has acronym on acronym. So the first acronym is DIE, because that's what will happen if you don't take care of this. But DIE, Documents, Inspections, and Equipment. Each of these has its own acronym. So we'll start with Documents. Aero, does your plane have its valid airworthiness, which is given to the aircraft upon its certification and stays valid as long as a plane is kept in airworthy condition. Registration needs to be renewed every three years. Uh, there's exceptions, but radio op, this is for international. Do you have a radio op certificate for the aircraft or does the pilot have one? Um, operating handbook needs to be on board the aircraft and the weight and balance valid to the aircraft after any changes that would require it to be redone in equipment installation, etc. Also, did you compute your weight and balance for the load you're carrying and the flight you intend to complete? Inspections, AAVATES. Have you complied with all applicable uh, airworthiness directives, ADs? Has your plane had an annual inspection, which is every year? If you're doing an IFR flight, has the VOR been tested in the preceding 30 days? If it's a plane that's used for hire, has it been checked for a 100-hour inspection? Has the altimeter and transponder been tested in the 24 preceding calendar months? Has the ELT been tested within the preceding 12 months? And has a static system been tested within the preceding 24 months. ELT battery 121.5 needs to be replaced every, or it needs to be checked every 12 months and the battery needs to be replaced after being in use for a cumulative hour or when half the remaining life has been depleted. The way you remember that, 121.5, which is the emergency frequency, goes hand in hand. It's a nice little one my flight instructor gave me. Those are all the inspections required on the aircraft. Equipment, a tomato flames. Oh, uh, this is a test for me because it's been a minute, but eight. this is 91205 in the FARs. This is the required equipment for different types of flights. So day VFR, eight tomato flames, airspeed, tachometer, oil pressure, manifold pressure, altimeter, engine temperature, oil temperature, fuel, 
landing gear position indicator, anti-collision lights for aircraft built after March something 1996, uh, magnetometer, not necessarily a magnetic compass, ELT, and safety belts. Then we have the night VFR flaps, fuses, or circuit breakers, landing lights, anti-collision light for all aircraft, position indicator, source of power. Then for IFR flight, you have grab card, generator, radio, sensitive altimeter, ball, and a slip and skid, which will be together, clock, uh, attitude indicator, rate of turn, and directional gyro. <laughs> and then the last one, depending on your aircraft, you could have an MEL or a KOEL, which is specific equipment if you get something authorized for you specifically in your single aircraft by the FAA. That's different. Wow, that's a long section. Some of those, it's been a while. The next P is going to be the plan. And this is gonna be your plan of action. You have a flight plan filed, uh, but I'll get down to that in one second. So I left a section for the ATIS because before you depart, you're going to get your ATIS, our automated terminal information service. Or if you're at a non-controlled field or something, you may just have an AWOS or an ASOS. You're gonna get the weather, you're gonna get the wind speed. You're going to get the wind direction, you're going to get the visibility, the cloud cover, the altimeter setting, all of those things, you'll write them down. Then you have a section NW craft. This is for planning your instrument flight. So notams, weather, known ATC delays, runways, alternates, your fuel, and your takeoff performance data. Then I have other checkboxes. This section here is actually, this is to make sure I have all my paperwork printed out for me. Flight plan, told data, weather and notams, weight and balance, and this sheet, the dispatch sheet. Then the program, craft. This is now, now we're transitioning to the in-flight. You've done your pre-flight, you get in the plane, you get your craft. And your craft is, if you're doing an instrument flight plan, you're gonna be cleared to an airport along a certain route at a certain altitude, given a frequency to the one you'll switch to next, and a transponder code. You gotta read that all back and write it down. Sound something like this. So you fly to Orlando International. You're clear to Orlando International Airport via the Victor 247 airway. Then is filed. Climb and maintain 2,000 feet. Expect 10,000 feet. One zero minutes after departure. Departure frequency 119.7. Squawk 4542. You'd read them all that back. Something like that. And then you uh, your paved checklist as well. The pilot. The airplane. The environment and external factors. Mostly stuff we've covered. And then I just had to stop and look this up, but then there's also one which I don't have written here because it's for the end of your flight. It's called the PTAC, and this is for IFR. Uh, again, on your on your approach, position, turn to a heading, maintain an altitude, clear to something. For example, coming back to Fort Lauderdale, oh, you're 10 miles from pads, turn 150, intercept ILS localizer 9, send and maintain 2000 till established on localizer cleared, ILS 9er. So... I didn't write that on here, but that's another one. PTAC. Passengers, you just write down your passengers here. And then I have some stuff about my briefings that I would give a passenger. So the first one's called the safety briefing. This is now before we're taxiing out. But so safety, each of them has a thing. S for seat belts, um, how to use them, where they are, environmental controls, air conditioning, etc. Fire extinguisher, location of that. Exits, doors, windows, whatever, emergency exits. Uh, talking in traffic, you know, not talking during critical phases of flight, taxi takeoff and landing, as well as traffic being a responsibility of all people involved. This is more for smaller flights, not commercial flights. You know, you go on JetBlue, they're not going to have you looking for their traffic. So, 
and then Y, your questions. So that's the safety briefing, all the important things regarding safety in a small plane. Then once you get cleared for taxi and you get a taxi clearance, you get your arch, which is your assigned uh, the route, your, what you're crossing, and your hold short. So, for example, if you have to stop somewhere, but this just briefs how you're going to move about the surface heading toward the runway. Any other possible collision areas you may encounter, where you have to stop, etc. Then you have departs, which would be this one. I actually don't, is one of the only ones on here I don't have memorized because I don't do it as it says here, departs. I, I mean, I do point out what the plan is going to be as well as what could potentially happen in an emergency. I just don't follow this format. This is, by the way, I'm going to give credit. Many of these are mentioned in this thing called Pilot's Cafe. It's a really good document to learn all of the acronyms that I'm talking about. All of them, you can review them all in one place. Again, no, not a sponsor, especially since it's free. But this one was in there, but I never use this one. So then there's some emergency-ish ones. So you have A, B, C, D, E, and these are in the event of an engine failure on a single engine plane. But first thing you're going to do, airspeed for best glide. Then you look around, find the best place to land. Then you'll do the checklist, try to restart the engine. Then you'll declare emergency, exit the plane. This is in my passenger briefing, just in case it comes to that, not because I actually expect to use it. But these are different things I'll tell my passengers. Then the five Cs, if we get lost. Climb, circle, comply, conserve, confess to get help. Then 121.5, I tell them about the emergency frequency and what should happen should I become incapacitated. I show them how to switch radio frequencies to 121.5, which is always in my backup radio when we fly anyways, as it is supposed to be when you go more than 50 miles from your home aerodrome. I show them how to use the radio, how to push the talk, press and hold, all of that. I tell them what they would say, you know, mayday, 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 my pilot's incapacitated, my last known position is this, I need help, whatever. I brief them on transponder code, 75, 76, 7700. Hopefully, I'm not going to have to use 7500 with my passenger. Hopefully, they're not going to hijack my plane, but I do tell them what 75, 76, 7700 mean. And then positive transfer of controls, three-way transfer of controls, so there's never any doubt who is in control of the aircraft. Give them all those briefings. Now, not if I take somebody flying multiple times, I'm not going to give them the last couple every time, but just to make sure that they know all of the potential safety things that they should know. I've gotten crap from a couple of people I've taken flying who are also pilots when I take somebody with the two of us who's not a pilot because they're like, bro, we just want to go fly and have a good time. And I'm like, that's great. I'm here to be safe and also teach them a thing or two. So you be quiet back there. Anyway... <laughs> I will say one time, like, they gave these really gross estimate figures for stuff, and it's like, oh, to convert from knots to miles an hour, you just add 10. And I was like, yeah, sure, that might work at, uh, the, the conversion factor, by the way, is 1.15. Um, like, yeah, sure, that might work for 100 when you're in cruise, going 100 knots, it's 115 miles an hour, sure, 110 works. But that doesn't help for wind speed, because if the wind is 10 knots, that's 11.5 miles an hour. That is not 20 miles an hour. That is not applicable. Stop telling them wrong information. Anyways, I'm going off on a tangent. So then the last little part is part of my weight and balance and performance calculation stuff. But I have a P alt and a D alt, and this you'll use the ATIS to calculate your pressure and density altitude 
which I am not going to in this call explain to you the math and how to do this, but sections to compute those, um, how to get your takeoff and landing data, as well as over a 50-foot obstacle. If you're flying a multi-engine plane, your accelerate stop distance and your single-engine climb performance. And then all those numbers, I have a section written with the runway length and the weight and balance, what your CG is going to be and whether that is in the acceptable range. Now, again, all of that is math you do based on charts and figures in the POH for your aircraft, so it defers depending on what you're flying for the takeoff, landing, accelerate, stop, single-engine climb, all of that. The pressure and density altitude are just following specific formulas, which I'm not going to go over now, but you do those. And then I have a notes section. That was a pretty decent look at what I use to prepare and go out and fly and hopefully it helps you guys and you're flying as well and i'll see you out there good night